1: everyone. Happy December 28th. It's December 28th, Steve. It's wild. It's Uh wild. That means it is time for us to share lots of favorites of the year. We've already done a couple of like mini lists throughout the week, but today is the first of two big episodes because today it is our turn to share our top three movies of 2023. And then tomorrow you're going to get John and Maggie's top three of the year as well. Steve, how are you feeling about this? Do you have a, a list you feel confident in?
0: Listen, um, I think the most important thing I should start before we go any further is that um, I uh, have not seen all the films that have come out this year, and I have not seen a lot of the big movies for, and I'm not going to list them. Well, I mean, I could say Poor Things and American, like there's, there's a number of films I've missed. I'm in a critics group now. I have a lot of screeners, and my plan over the next four days is to watch a number of screeners. So the three movies that I'm going to talk about today are the three best that I've seen thus far, and it easily could change, although I don't see my number one changing, then my number two and three could shift based on seeing these other films, but listen, it's very, very difficult, as you know, to see everything, because here at Collider, we cover both movies and television, and we have to watch a lot of stuff like movies and television, and if you're not doing interviews, it it sometimes is a challenge to see certain films anyway I'm about to watch some of the big ones
1: yeah no I I get it I get it very much and as a completist I always like the idea of seeing everything but with every passing year I'm trying to be less hard on myself about missing certain things but it's literally impossible to see every movie made in a single year I'm working on my movie montage right now and that just reaffirms that point to me given how many trailers I've gone through but I've Uh, I've done pretty well with what I've watched and how many of, you know, I don't want to call them the big ones, but certain, you know, award season top priorities. I'm pretty well versed in that particular section, but I'm I'm feeling pretty good about my top three right now. I I have a hard time imagining me watching a single movie between now and end of day on the 31st and saying to myself, I'm going to swap something else in.
0: Oh, by the way, just to be clear, like my my top three are exceptional films, films that will stand the test of time and that are they are amazing movies. I'm happy to talk about them. I'm just saying that there's the chance I will see something that I'm like, oh, my God, that is unbelievable. You know, but you these know. The three that I have are are tremendous movies.
1: All right. So before we get into the specifics, as I always do with an end of year list, I will tell everybody watching this episode that. These, these are our three favorite films. That does not mean they need to be yours. If you disagree with our lists, it doesn't make our lists wrong and it doesn't make your list wrong either. These are our personal favorites. So I would ask you all to respect the movies we choose. And then I'm also going to ask you to put your own top three in the comment section, or maybe the live chat, if you're watching us live and to all the other commenters out there, be respectful of other people's choices too. It's that simple. It's that. It's, it's so much more fun when you behave like that. All right, Steve, our number threes. I, do, you, I, do you want me I to go first or do you want to go first?
0: I just want to point out, I can't believe you have to say that because I just realized the internet. Yes. And, just, and it, it's just so disappointing that people just can't. Anyway, let's move it's, on.
1: It's it's disappointing and it saddens me that that has to be said every year. But you know what? If If saying that makes the celebration that much more positive and powerful. I will continue saying it forever and ever and ever. So throwing that out there. Do you want me to give my three first or do you want to go first?
0: You can go first.
1: All right. So my number three movie of 2023 is not going to surprise anybody. It's talk to me. Just (laughs) well-made super creative original horror movies just make me so, so happy. So I'll I'll hit this one from two angles. Like first and foremost, it is, like I said, it is a very well-made movie. It's exceptional on every single level. I think it's incredibly well shot. I mean, especially when you think about it being a first feature in their YouTube background, you could just see the proficiency that they had before making feature films and how they were able to I guess maybe even amplify their craft with certain resources within this format. So that part of it impresses me. I think it is loaded with exceptional performances as well. That is one of the best cast films of the year, in my opinion. But then again, these are our personal favorites. So a little bit of that side of it, too. I just feel really lucky that so much of my 2023 was kind of defined by my talk to me journey. You know this, Steve. I was lucky enough to be one of the very first people to see the movie at Sundance. And I was also one of the very first to get to talk to uh, the filmmakers as well. And, you know, I know it might seem silly to others out there, but there really is something about seeing something so early, that's so special, and then knowing how much it is going to thrill everyone when it's released wide that I mean that's one of the best film festival experiences and feelings you can have, and after that, I was lucky to go with the film to South by Southwest and moderate something for the Filippo brothers that. Was a It was like a little more of, a, of an expansive conversation about their journey to making the film and then the film itself. And I just really wanted to take that as an opportunity to make sure we were putting the spotlight on them as some of the most exciting emerging talent in the industry. So it was an honor to get to be a part of that. Then we got to reconnect at Comic-Con as well. And then I went to one of the best Comic-Con parties I've ever been to. And it of course was the talk to me party. And then the journey didn't even end there after the movie was released i watched it over and over and over again and you know what i'm going to continue watching it over and over not just through 2023 but probably for the rest of my life it's going to be in that rotation and i'm very happy and i'm thankful to have it there so talk to me is my number three movie of 2023 and i look forward to loving it for many many years to come
0: Okay. That's not a surprise that you would pick that. Um, My number three, so my top three, I really had, I don't typically make a top 10 list because it is very, very difficult for me to pick how one piece of art is better than another piece of art or meant more to me because I'm looking at the, the films that I wrote down, like thinking about things that I found exceptional. Like I loved Godzilla minus one. Is it my top three? It could be, but like, um, or uh, um, Linklater's *Hitman* loved this movie. Uh, it didn't is come it a out. Top it doesn't <laughs> Say it again.
1: It didn't come out this year. It doesn't count.
0: No, it. It. I saw it this year. So you
1: it, did. You did. But I. I. I guess now this is just me abiding by my own rules. Movies released in 2023.
0: See, I have a different opinion on that because if it okay. screened at a festival or it was part of something where you could see it publicly. It came out. It's not a question of general release. It's a question for me. It's a question of, did you see it? Like, and anyway, we have a difference of opinion, but if it plays at a festival, it's fair game because you saw it this year, you know, it's a public screening.
1: I saw I saw it I saw it this year, but but technically it wasn't released in that calendar year, so it can't be the best of 2023 because it's not a 2023 movie. But when it comes out in 2024, it will be considered a 2024 movie. That's how that's how my brain processes things for these lists.
0: Sure. So I don't think you're gonna like my number three then, because my number three is J. A. Bayona's Society of the Snow.
1: That is we, a 2023 release. 100% oh, okay. counts.
0: <laughs> I don't know when it came out. So. Um, Society of the Snow, my top three films, getting back to uh, how I picked these, I I decided to go with three films that not only were exceptionally made with the filmmaking, but told incredible stories and had incredible performances. Like every aspect of my top three films were exceptional. There was no weak link in any of these three films. Anyway, my number three is Society of the Snow. Uh, ja Bayona it might be his best movie It has a score by Michael Giacchino that is unbelievable and it tells the true story of a plane crash in the Andes in the early 70s and it is so exceptionally well made with incredible performances and you feel like the like the, you're there on the in the on the mountain with these people trying to survive and you feel like you're going through it with them from where the camera's placed to the the way Bayona tells the story, to these incredible performances, everything about it, the way he recreates some of these historical photographs in the movie, the way that he makes you like feel for these people and what they're going through, I, I found this movie to be exceptional. It's up for it's one of the it's on the short list for best international feature film. I would be shocked if it's not in the top five. And I I mean, I think it can win, but it's up against incredible movies. But uh, I, I am truly blown away by this film, and I cannot recommend it enough. And it is something that I think is just an exceptional piece of art.
1: It did not make my top 10, but I will say it was one of the best movies of the year. And it's still pretty high up on my list. And just so everybody knows, the movie did get a qualifying theatrical run, which is why it's a 2023 movie. But if you haven't seen it and you want to, I believe it hits Netflix on January 4th and Highly recommended. I agree with everything you just said. One of my favorite qualities of that movie too is, you know, the movie does have a main character or lead characters in a sense, but I was especially blown away with how effectively J.A. Bayona emphasized the fact that I guess like, every single person who was involved in that situation mattered. And no matter how much screen time someone got, their stories were presented as as full stories with significant histories and weight. And you understood how every single member of that team influenced the other and the people in their lives that weren't even a part of the team. I I thought that was really like really well done and an especially beautiful quality of this version of bringing that story to screen. So I am right there with you on Society of the Snow. Very, very well made film right there. All right. My number two. My number two is something you haven't seen, Steve, because it's poor things.
0: Oh, I I was going to say it's either American fiction or poor things.
1: American fiction is not on my list, but it is, it's very high up, too. It's sure. another one that I can't recommend enough. But Poor Things is my number two movie of 2023. Uh, the Favourite was my favourite movie the year that came out. I believe it was 2018. So probably no surprise, but I was very much looking forward to another uh, Yorgos Lanthamus and Emma Stone collaboration. And I was just also really excited about the the wildly like creative and weird ideas we were bound to get via this adaptation. But the thing, and they deliver in that respect, I'll, I'll emphasize that. But the thing that struck me most about poor things that I guess was kind of surprising and caught me off guard a bit was how incredibly thoughtful and inspiring it was as a coming of age journey and I say this a lot whenever I talk about why I love film and TV any any kind of uh, storytelling in this format I, I especially when it's a genre story I find it a lot easier to to process and assess really difficult human truths through genre storytelling, through like out of this world scenarios. And I think poor things is kind of a perfect example of that because, you know, Bella is processing Processing the world and how people treat her at this really accelerated, extreme rate that just proves especially effective when highlighting the absurd hypocrisy that governs the way that we, we operate in everyday life. And, you know, even better, I think, adding that to the fact that you're watching Bella do all of this and essentially, like, discover and dismantle that hypocrisy with such like with such curiosity and a lust for life that that comes that becomes hugely infectious and therefore inspiring. So I don't know. There's many things that I love about this movie, but that particular quality, I think was one of the strongest takeaways and honestly has been something that has been reverberating throughout my life ever since I first saw the movie. Poor things. Yay. Go see it.
0: Uh, All I've heard is great things. That's on my list. <laughs> That's on my list of things I need to watch.
1: Okay, yeah, I uh, you know. I'm very curious to get a full report from you when you watch it. I'm 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 genuinely curious because again, it's an it's an extreme movie in some senses, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the variety of responses out there.
0: Yeah, I am a big fan of the previous films that he has made, and I'm confident that I will enjoy this. But like I said, I need I need to watch it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, my number two, again, uh, something that is exceptionally made tells a great in, uh, Anyway, it's the zone of interest. Uh, Jonathan Glazier. Uh, uh, and I was blown away by this film because uh, Jonathan, first of all, if you're not familiar with the film, it takes place, it follows the, the head of a concentration camp who lives next door to the concentration camp. And you're never in the camp, you're always in the house that's next door to the camp. And it's about his family, his wife, and the commander, the kids, and what it's like to live next door. And it touches on so much about the Holocaust without directly screaming about the Holocaust, even it's, it's very hard to describe like that. But one of the things about it is that Jonathan placed cameras all throughout the, the house, the outdoors, and in tons of different locations. So the actors would be alone in the house doing scenes without being directed by Jonathan standing there in video village. So they would do these long, long takes. And it was almost like a documentary and it was very, uh, you know, the it's a very unique way of filming this movie it is incredibly made um in terms of the cinematography the direction the performances but it's just so interesting the way he told this story about that time period in a completely new and unique way that has never been done before it and i mean everyone always talks about how or why we need to tell another World War II story or another Holocaust story. And I think these things need to be told every year now because I look at the what's going on in the population of the world and how people are just forgetting about the Holocaust or still conspiracy theories that it didn't happen or it, you know, it, it's just disturbing what is going on. And it is so important to keep telling these stories to remind younger people and people that these things happened and these acts were so barbaric and terrible, we can never let them happen again. And it is only through all of us together that we can stop this from happening again. And I, I found this film to be very powerful. It stuck with me. And I think that the filmmaking and the storytelling and the acting is just another level. And that is why it's my number two.
1: I have a, a very good feeling this is going to consume a significant amount of the spotlight going forward in award season. Uh, the zone of interest in particular has been one that I think has been picking up more and more momentum. I mean, its nomination in Best International Feature is, is essentially a given in my mind, but there is a good chance that it could pop up in Best Picture as well. And then I also think that he could get a Best Director nomination too. And like, I, lo- I love the way that you describe and tee up his work. I feel like, For anyone who hasn't seen it, that does emphasize why it's such a unique vision and should be celebrated. And, you know, as I was about to say, he should be nominated for Best Director. Best Director stresses me out a little bit just because there's a bunch of people who I'm like, you should be nominated. You should be. You should be not. There's not enough spots for all of you. But I do think if he gets a nomination, I'll easily be able to say he is very deserving of it.
0: Yeah, there's going to be. a number of people left out of the best director uh, at the Oscars and through the DGA that are deserving of a nomination this year, because this year had some, I mean, there's eight or nine films that all Mm. could have best director nominations. And there's only going to be five slots. And I, I truly don't know. Um, I mean, it's, it's an impossible prediction outside of Nolan for Oppenheimer, you know, Mm. like,
1: one and what?
0: Scorsese. You know, you see, that's the thing. I, I, so Killers of the Flower Moon is is not in my top three. I don't even know if it's in my top 10. It might be num- nor, towards the bottom, but I just wasn't as in love with it as everyone else. And I really believe that Scorsese will get the nomination because he's Scorsese, but it's sort of like Roger Deakins getting a nomination like a year or two ago for something when it should have been someone else in another. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I I didn't have the same love for it that everyone else has.
1: It's not, it's obviously not in my top three and it's not in my top 10 either, but I still think it's like, it's another extremely well-made movie and he's going to, he's going to get the nomination and I'll be sitting here saying he's deserving. I think it's going to be Nolan Scorsese, um, Yorgos Lanthemus. I don't know about Alexander Payne. I feel like he's dipping maybe Bradley Cooper, maybe Jonathan Glazer. I feel like those are the six names that I'm playing with right now. Now I'm fearing that because I don't have my list in front of me and my notes, I'm gonna have forgotten someone, but hopefully those are the contenders. All right, Steve, are you ready for my number one? Sure. My number one is the least surprising title you could pick. Because it is Scream Six. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't just blurt it right out. I gave you the I gave you the moment of silence too. I
0: just didn't I just didn't think that was gonna get the slot, even though I could have seen it coming.
1: Yeah, um, I think these these two new movies are extremely special. I mean, it goes without saying the Scream franchise has uh, has influenced my life quite heavily just you know in terms in terms of the person i am in terms of the stories that i like to consume in terms of how i came to appreciate the craft of filmmaking and the horror genre in particular and to see two new movies in my favorite film franchise expand the franchise while honoring the foundation that wes craven set for the for the better, honoring that and expanding it for the better, I think is really something special that that means a lot to me. And you know, clearly has made Scream Six my my number one of this year. And uh, Scream uh, Scream 2022 was my number two of of last year. And I think they're both very much deserving of those positions. And you know, there's a lot of things that I really do love about this new Scream movie. Like I, as I already said. I do think it is extremely successful at upholding the pillars that the original films created that keep fans coming back for more. We we got more of what we love, but they're also extremely successful in in broadening the mythology and in and in turn broadening the fan base, which is what I think every franchise needs to do. But the the single thing that I think I can isolate as my absolute favorite thing of scream six is how well they cement the core four as a group of newer scream characters that very much deserve to be standing alongside the originals big three. That is not an easy thing to do. And by the end of scream six, I could sit there and confidently say, I love you four just as much as I love these three. And that is that is a real achievement as someone who has like been living and breathing scream since 1996. So job well done to the team behind those two movies. I will cherish them forever, just like I have cherished all of the scream films.
0: Yeah, I shouldn't I, this shouldn't have been a surprise, but uh, I'm super I, you're gonna be one of the few that has that as your number one film of the year, but I uh, respect that that it meant so much to you that it's your number one um my my number one is going to be more of a mainstream pick that is going to surprise nobody and will probably be on many many other people's uh lists as their number one and that is christopher nolan's oppenheimer Uh. um and i want to mention that not only oppenheimer but oppenheimer and IMAX 70 millimeter um that was it was such an incredible theater-going experience for me watching this film in, in IMAX 70. The way that Nolan and Hoyta shot the movie with between the IMAX cameras and the 65 millimeter, and, and just the black and white photography, the performances, um, the fact that Christopher Nolan made a biopic about a man, and it's gonna and it broke a billion dollars is insane like it's crazy a three-hour movie about the the creation of the bomb like no one can do this like like nobody like it's literally nolan and nobody in terms of being able to make a movie like this and have it resonate around the planet for a billion fucking dollars okay so that's number one number two the movie is exceptionally made the, the storytelling, the filmmaking, the way that he is able to capture what's going on in his brain and the way the atom is moving and not using CGI to do this and using all practical analog cameras and effects. Okay, there's that. As I said, the performances. But, like, there's nothing in this movie is bad. Everything in this movie is exceptional, and it is, like, the culmination of Nolan's amazing resume that he was able to make this movie and it, it really is the culmination of everything he's learned and done into this exceptional film and like it's gonna stand the test of time it's a masterpiece it is something that is rewards you for seeing it in a movie theater and you know it also caused between that and Barbie it like saved movie theaters in the summer you know like these two movies, did so much business and caused so many people to go to a movie theater to see them. So not only is the film exceptional, and not only is the acting exceptional, but you had you injected hundreds of millions of dollars into movie theaters, you know, bottom lines to keep them open, to keep them playing movies. So it, you have to thank him for that. But it's just an exceptional film, and um, it's coming back out in IMAX 70 in early January, I know most of you have seen it, but if you haven't and you live near one of these theaters, my God, go see it. Because it, there's nothing like this movie in IMAX 70.
1: Yeah, um, I'll I'll second that. Uh, clearly Oppenheimer is not in my top three, but it is in my top five, which I will share elsewhere after we are done today. But I, I love that movie. And it's so weird too, because I remember when the movie, you remember what was happening when that movie came out and it was like the mad dash to cover all of the movies before the strike happened. So I feel like I was so consumed by other assignments that I missed all my Oppenheimer screenings. And then I I just like, I felt so left out for so long. You know what I mean? Where everyone was talking about it and I hadn't seen it for so long and then I watched it. And then I watched it again and then I watched it again that's a really good movie. Like, it's one of those movies where you can very clearly see that every single department is operating at peak performance. And then you have this masterful conductor who knows exactly how to bring everything together in a way that elevates each individual department's work. And it's really, it's really something else. So Oppenheimer is in my top five. So I will very much get behind that number one pick, Steve.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really think it's the front runner, uh, for best picture and best director. Um, uh, I, I really,
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm reading Adam's live chats. Oh, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. There was, um, there was, there's a conversation happening where, where folks are saying Oppenheimer did not make a billion at the box office, which it did not. And then someone, someone joked Someone joked we can round up because it's the number that I'm reading in the chat right now. I don't know if it's it's specific to this exact number. 952 million. And then Haunted Autumn said, I mean, we can round up, can't we? But then um, then uh, Adam, Adam replies, I heard that I heard that if you don't make a billion, you have to give it back. What a weird rule.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I apologize. It's not a billion. (laughs) It's 952 uh, million, which is a crazy number and the other reason it's a crazy number is if you look at the stats of this year and the box office you will see that most movies did not perform the way that they have in the past so anything like the bill okay before the pandemic billion dollar movies were common they were like you could do it like it was not unrealistic to think you could make a billion like captain marvel i think even made a billion or close to a billion like people movies made a billion dollars this year it is very rare barbie you know um i don't even know what the other billion dollar movie is but like it, it, it's rare and it's going to get rarer as time goes on because it's very It it it's it's not going to be as easy as it used to be and uh, I'm just, I'm blown away by what Nolan accomplished in Oppenheimer.
1: I'm just, I was just checking some stats here, and you know, the year that Captain Marvel came out, nine movies crossed the billion dollar mark, which is absolutely wild, and that, this that, year, we had just two.
0: That's my point, is like yeah. the the, since COVID, since the pandemic, everything has changed in the movie industry, and the truth is, no one really knows what the future holds, and not even the studios. The next 18 months, January to the summer of 2025, are going to really, really impact the future of movie making. Because if billion-dollar movies are not possible going into the summer of 2025, like after the 18 months, if we, for example, only have two movies that make a billion dollars, studios are going to rethink everything in terms of the money they're spending to make these movies because you can't make – you can't spend – 300 million dollars on a movie which by the way is insane to begin with but you can't spend 300 million if you're not going to make a billion at the box office they're spending this money because they're expecting one point something billion return and well that's a completely different thing but also um apple i i don't know if they're looking at the same like the studios have to make their money on the, the movies apple's making their money by you keeping apple products and paying for services. And everything else. Anyway, the, the, what I'm going, where I'm going at with all this, is that the billion-dollar movie going forward might be very rare, unlike the way it was in the past.
1: We shall see. I feel like um, looking to the future tease up our exit quite well because the next time you'll see the two of us on an episode of collider dailies will be monday which is new year's day and that is when steve and i will run through some of our most anticipated releases of 2024 a lot of good stuff came out in 2023 i got i got a a good feeling we're gonna have a lot of movies to celebrate in 2024 too that we're gonna love so we will say goodbye and ha- I mean, Happy New Year, because this is the last you'll see of the two of us on uh, Collider Extras until 2024,
0: Steve. It's crazy. I, I can't talk about the year's passing. It's like on fast forward.
1: Feel It feels that way. It feels that way. I will say ha- an early Happy New Year to you all. And uh, tune in tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific. You will get John and Maggie's top three movies of 2023.